Well, Paul wrote to a young man whom he was mentoring named Timothy. He wrote, I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. So Paul made a tribute to Timothy's mother and grandmother. Okay, so I want to kind of build on that today. Uh, They were godly ladies of faith who were responsible for teaching and influencing Timothy to have faith as well. Now today on Mother's Day, I'm going to take this opportunity to offer a tribute to my mother. I want to give you just uh, a few thoughts about her in the way of illustration and introduction. Gwendolyn Louise Hughes Conrad was born June the 4th, 1927 in Johnstown, Pennsylvania. She was raised by believing parents John and Marion Schaefer Hughes, who took her faithfully to church each week and nurtured her in the faith. She had a sister and still has a brother. My mom married my dad, Samuel Melvin Conrad, on March the 4th, 1948. They had three children, my sisters Debbie and Becky and me. Our parents faithfully led us to church each week, and whenever the congregation was gathered, we were there. Both my parents were students of the Bible, reading it daily. They taught us to pray. We read the Bible together. Rarely did we ever miss a night in reading the Bible and getting down on our knees in prayer. My mother taught children in Sunday school grades 4 through 6 for more than 20 consecutive years. She led the Ladies Missionary Fellowship for many years. She was a deacon's wife for 22 years in a row. It was my mom who led me to Christ during Vacation Bible School in June of 1964. My mother was a godly example to me, always stressing to do my best in whatever endeavor that I had tried. My mother sacrificed for our family, putting us before herself, and she was only just about to turn 53 when my dad died. Her birthday was a few days after he died. My mom lives in a nursing home three miles from here, and she would love to be here. She joined our church here on Easter Sunday 2008, if you can believe it. So she's been a member since then. Next month on her birthday, she will turn 94 years old. Uh, Debbie and I got to visit her on Friday and had a, a sweet time with her. She longs to go to heaven, and I am thankful for my mother, and I'm thankful for my grandmother, too, who influenced her. And so, like Timothy, I'm blessed with a heritage of faith. Now, why did I tell you all that? Because I want to encourage you to do that same thing, to give a tribute about your mother to someone. And I've already heard a couple of people refer to their moms today. The thought from the text today leads me to this. The influence of grandparents is noteworthy, and the impact of parents is life-changing. We need to teach the importance of family. And so that's the goal for today's message, is to remind all of us, not only that it's Mother's Day, but family is so important, and we need to encourage one another in that. 
So here's my outline. First of all, the influence of grandparents is noteworthy, 2 Timothy 1.5. Secondly, the impact of parents is life-changing, 2 Timothy 1.5. And the importance of family must be taught in 2 Timothy 1.6 and 7. What is mentioned there grows out of the uh, reference to Timothy's grandmother and mother. So today, tribute to mother, and let's not forget, grandma. So the influence of grandparents. Look at me with me, if you would. And I want to go right to verse 5, 2 Timothy 1.5. We've already read. He says, I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother, Lois. Let's start with Lois. Paul was reminded of Timothy's sincere faith because his grandmother, Lois, was known for that. He talks about Timothy's faith first. He says, your faith is sincere, and your faith is sincere, it's genuine, because, first of all, you had a grandmother of faith. Uh, the book of Acts gives a little bit of background about Timothy. So keep your finger, if you would, right here in 2 Timothy, and let's go back to Acts 16 just for a moment, because I want you to see what is said there. This is where Timothy gets introduced into the narrative of Acts, and it helps us. And, of course, he comes up several times in Acts as well. And then Paul wrote two letters to him, 1st and 2nd Timothy. So, but I'm looking at Acts 16, verse 1. It says, Paul came also to Derbe and to Lystra. A disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. He was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. Okay, now that's a little bit of background. And there's actually a lot of information in these few verses. A couple of things. First of all, this is the second missionary journey of Paul. So this is the second time that he visited uh, Derby and Lystra and Iconium and those uh, cities in... Uh, Asia Minor. So he went there first of all. Well, now he's coming a second time, and he finds Timothy, who was already a disciple. So we have some questions, and we don't know the answers, but, you know, was Timothy and his grandmother and, a, and his mother believers as a result of Paul's ministry in the first missionary journey, which was a couple years before? Uh, possibility, but it doesn't say that, so we're, we don't want to go too far, we don't want to speculate. But here Paul is on his second missionary journey, second time to those cities, and it seemed as though the, when the first time that he went, that he was preaching the gospel to people who had never heard it before. So it's possible that Timothy was saved and his, his uh, mother and grandmother at that time, but we don't know. All we know is what it says here on the second missionary journey, that Paul taps Timothy, who is already a believer, who had already had a good testimony, and he wants him to follow him now with him as he continues on in this second missionary journey, which he did. It also raises some other things. His grandmother and his mother were, were Jewish. And so, meaning that you know, they had been ladies of faith in the Jewish faith, before coming to Christ through the gospel ministry that Paul was preaching. 
And so they already had that background of Scripture. And then the other thing, of course, that stands out here in Acts 16 is that Timothy's mother married a Greek man who, would, who was then Timothy's dad. But there's no reference of any faith on the part of his father. Okay? And that's kind of confirmed when we go back to 2 Timothy when, it's, when Paul says, I know about your grandmother and your mother that they were ladies of faith. Now, if the father was a man of faith, that would have been perfect opportunity to say so. So, again, we're piecing little bits of information together. But um, this helps us to understand a little bit about what's being written. Now, we go back to 2 Timothy. Now, what's being written here in 2 Timothy is about 15 years later after what is said in Acts 16. Okay, so you got some time has elapsed, about 15 years, because this is coming now to the, the latter time of the Apostle Paul's ministry. And so uh, we noticed, you know, Timothy's father was a Greek. It was unusual for a Jew to marry a Gentile, but it obviously happened. And so um, the emphasis in 2 Timothy 1 is on the sincere faith of Lois and Eunice, who then influenced Timothy. Now, I want to look for a moment and think about Lois. Lois, like Eunice, a Jewish believer, she, she had obviously influenced her daughter, Eunice, in the faith, in the Jewish faith. And again, uh, the question is raised, when they came to Christ, did they come at the same time? Uh, we don't know. You know, one of them could have been saved first and then the other one. We don't know. But most likely, when Paul's first missionary journey, when he came through and preached the gospel, is when this family was saved. But we don't know for sure. But when he comes the second time, they're already believers. That word sincere is an interesting word, and most Greek students have studied this word because it means without wax. Do you have faith that is without wax? Isn't that a great thought? Where does this come from? Well, the word for sincere or genuine comes from the idea of the repair of pottery. If somebody was trying to sell um, some kind of uh, clay, you know, vessels for common use, dishes, things like that, if there was a little crack, the common thing of the day was to smooth it over with wax and so when someone went to buy some uh, dishes or pots or, or cups or whatever, they would hold it up to the sun to see if the sun would shine through any cracks that were covered by wax. And if it was a perfect pot, then it was without wax. Okay? Did I lose you on that one? Very possibly. But anyway... Uh, the whole idea there was that this faith was a genuine faith. It had no cracks in it. This faith was, was uncracked. It was like new. It was real. It was sincere. It was desirable. In other words, this is the kind of faith that we all want to have. And, and Paul says, your grandmother and your mother, they were people of real faith. They were ladies of faith that was sincere. And what a great tribute to Timothy's grandma. Lois obviously modeled sincere faith for her grandson in the Jewish faith probably before um, 
he came to Christ. And obviously, uh, he was not uh, considered a Jew because of his Greek father and because he had not been circumcised. And we read in Acts 16 where Paul had Timothy circumcised so that he would have a ministry to Jewish people. I want to say something to grandparents. Grandparents, do not underestimate your influence on your grandchildren. Don't underestimate that. I know for myself, I long to be around our grandkids. And they all live in different places, you know, and it's hard to do that. Some grandparents may never meet their grandchildren, but they may influence them through their children. You know, I never knew my uh, grandmother Conrad. She, she died when I was three months old. I never, you know, have any memory of her or anything. Uh, but she influenced my dad, you know, so there's an indirect influence there. I did know Grandfather Conrad. He died when I was six, and I have some memories of him that are positive. Um, but, um, you know, those, those kinds of things, sometimes we forget that we influence our grandchildren even if we never meet them by teaching our children. And so there can be a direct or an indirect ministry for grandparents. And we need to think about that. By the way, I often relate stories to my children because none of my children met my dad. You know, he died before Diana and I were married our first year. And so I tell them stories about my dad, and they've heard him abundantly because I want them to know him through me. Of course, they've seen his pictures, and someday I think they'll recognize him in heaven, you know? And so I want you to think like that too. You might be here today and say, well, you know, Pastor, I really didn't have a godly heritage. You know, that's possible. Well, then start a godly heritage now. You be the one to start. And if you have a godly heritage of parents and grandparents who love the Lord, then thank the Lord for that. Mother's Day and Father's Day are good days to be thankful for what the Lord has given us. And I know, as we've already mentioned, you know, days like this can also bring sad memories, but uh, even those things cling to the good things and, and give them to the Lord. Okay, so the influence of grandparents is noteworthy. But secondly, the impact of parents is life-changing. Again, look at the verse, if you would, in 2 Timothy 1, 5. It says, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, talking to Timothy, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. Timothy's mother Eunice was also known for sincere faith. Obviously, Eunice was a Jewish, a Jewish believer, so she had been raised in the Jewish faith. Why she married a Gentile, that's kind of questionable because that would have gone against her family. But, you know, we don't know. Um, but the fact that she continued on in her faith and taught Timothy the Scriptures. You know, he was taught the, script, the Scriptures from his youth before he even came to know Christ. 
And, you know, that's the obvious advantage that the Jewish people had as they already had the Scriptures. So when they came to Christ, they had that background in the Old Testament that Gentiles did not have. Now, we, again, we do not have enough information about how or why uh, that Eunice married a, a Greek man. We don't even know whether they were still married at this time or had he died or had they separated because she came to Christ. We don't know. Uh, but interesting things to think about, whether Timothy believed at the same time that his mother and grandmother did. Again, the point was he was steeped in the faith in God and the Scriptures by his grandmother and his mother. It is certain that Eunice was a woman of sincere faith, faith without wax, genuine, and that she passed this along to her son. She probably nurtured his faith without the help of his father, which makes the impact of her care even greater. And so how, how we should be thankful for godly mothers. It's evident that Timothy also had that faith. And Paul says there, and now I'm sure that faith dwells in you as well. And so Timothy had modeled that faith. And even 15 years earlier in Acts 16, when Paul taps Timothy as a young man, he probably was, you know, we could again speculate how old was he. But even by the time Paul wrote 1 Timothy, uh, 14 years later, he was con still considered a young man. Remember, uh, he says, let no man despise your youth, but be an example. So, so Timothy was obviously young and when Paul met him, and he was still considered a young man uh, some years later, and so uh, quite young, younger than Paul. Paul offered witness of Timothy's faith, which he had observed and as we said, by this time, some 15 years had gone by. So that's a pretty good test of faith, wouldn't you say? I mean, Paul's known him. He traveled with him. And now, as you know, when Paul's writing 2 Timothy, he's writing it from a dungeon experience. And he's right near his own death. Timothy's faith was directly impacted by his mother, and at least indirectly, if not directly, by his grandmother. What a heritage he had. And remember, Paul is now choosing Timothy to take his place in the care of the churches. And at some point, he's going to have Paul, I mean, uh, Timothy, uh, lead the church at Ephesus. And we've been studying Ephesians, remember? So, uh, so, you know, Ephesus had some pretty great pastors Paul, Timothy, later on, the Apostle John. You know, they really had some great ones. Then you get to the book of Revelation. What happened? They left their first love. How sad. But uh, that's another story. You know, parents are of utmost importance in shaping the faith of their children. In fact, these next two verses grow out of the fact that, that Timothy's faith was strengthened by his mother and grandmother. But I, I want to take this moment on Mother's Day to offer another tribute for a moment. And this is a tribute to my wife's mother, Lucy Chapman. Lucy Violet Jones Chapman was born on October 22, 1926, in Glenbrook, Connecticut. And some of you maybe have met her. She was born to Irving and Elida Hartwright Jones. She was one of seven children. 
And she too was blessed to be raised in a godly home. Her mother, Elida, was especially a godly woman, and I knew her and was impressed by her faith. She played the organ at her church for over 60 years. This lady was a woman of faith and faithfulness. Lucy, Diana's mother, married Joseph Chapman on August 10th, 1946. They had four children, the youngest of which is my wife, Diana. Lucy was a pastor's wife for over 38 years, and then since then, she's continued serving in the local church for 31 more years. Lucy and Joe were married for exactly 70 and one-half years. Now, Elida, Diana's grandmother, and Lucy, her mother, had this positive influence on on Diana that was profound. I, I can just see her mother and her grandmother in things that she says and does. And I mean those as a compliment, okay? Got to get that out there. Uh, Lucy is 94, and she still lives in Florida. So the influence of grandparents is noteworthy, and the influence of parents is life-changing. I mean, we as parents, and, and parents of little, little ones, this is your opportunity to shape and mold your kids for the faith, to encourage them in the love for God's Word, to, to memorize the Word of God. And, you know, at times I've heard parents say, well, I'm going to let, kids, let my kids choose what to believe. That is the worst thing that you could possibly say. Because if you let them choose, then you're going to let someone else influence them. You influence them. You lead them. You teach them. And don't miss that opportunity. That leads me to my last thought, and that is the importance of the family in general must be taught. And that's why we're taking Mother's Day to do this. Now look with me at 2 Timothy 1.6, if you would. For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. The Apostle Paul reminded Timothy of his godly heritage in order to exhort him to use his gifts for service and to be courageous. Again, he says, For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of self-control. On this Mother's Day, I'm going to offer another tribute. A tribute to my wife and the mother of our children. I pick on her a lot. She's not sitting down here today. But uh, I tease her way too much. I know that. But, uh, but this time I'm not teasing. Diana Ruth Chapman Conrad was born in Stamford, Connecticut to Joe and Lucy Chapman. And I already mentioned the impact of Diana's mother and grandmother Diana grew up in a pastor's home. She served in the church while she was growing up by playing the flute, singing in choirs and ensembles, and she worked in Awana for many years. She studied business and secretarial skills at Grand Rapids Baptist College, which is now Cornerstone University. 
And Diana and I were married in 1979. While I was in seminary, she worked full-time at a, the Spanish World Gospel Mission. I began pastoring in May 1982, so that means as of this month, Diana's been a pastor's wife for 39 years. So she went from growing up in a pastor's home to marrying a guy who was a pastor. And so that's pretty much all she's known. Over the years, she's served in the nursery, taught Sunday school, children's church, Awana, Word of Life, sang in choirs, played the flute, and she's been the church secretary in four churches for over 25 years. But I want you to know, her greatest achievement, in my opinion, has been being mother to our three children, Sarah, Joseph, and Paul, and grandmother to Josiah, Elida, uh, Juliana, Ellie, Aria, and Joel. And they rise up and call her blessed. And why do, I, why do I do this? Because family is so important. So I've opened my heart a little bit to show you the impact of our families has been so positive. We have so much to be thankful for. I hope that you have that too. If you don't, then make today the beginning of a godly heritage in a renewed fashion. Now, Timothy, like all believers, was given a spiritual gift. That's why Paul wrote, For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God. The words uh, fan into flame could be translated to, to rekindle. It's to bring, like, like bringing a fire back to life. That's exactly what that word, it's a compound word for those two ideas. To bring back to life fire. Keep the light of your gift burning. Keep it going. That's what he was saying. Now, you know what a spiritual gift is. It's the word charisma. And charisma is a gift that is to be used in the body of Christ. It's never to be used selfishly. Never for, for oneself. It's always for others. How do you know if you have a spiritual gift? By getting involved in serving, and you'll find out that what you like to do and what you're good at are usually the same things. And that becomes your gift. And it could be the gift of helping, it could be administration, it could be teaching. There's a, a lot of ways of, of, of serving, but it's all about serving others. And, and so Paul tells Timothy, stir up that gift, rekindle that gift, Use the gift that you've had. Now, now, 15 years has gone by since Paul had tapped Timothy the first time. And, and he was encouraging him. And it's obviously that because of First and Second Timothy, what's in these letters, that Timothy had the gift to shepherd, to teach, to preach. He was given the gift of exhortation. He was to set the example as a leader because Paul commands him to do those things. Uh, set the example and preach the word. And when he says, which is in you through the laying on of my hands, Paul had the privilege of setting Timothy apart for the gospel. This idea of laying on of hands is a symbolic way of showing the passing of authority, authority instituted by God. Uh, in this case, it's a, uh, you know, a symbolic way of handing off the baton of leadership in the church you see that in ordination councils and ordination services where, where pastors who have been ordained lay their hands on a candidate and set him apart for the public ministry. And that happened to me back on uh, June the 16th, 1985 is when I went through that. 
It also symbolizes the giving of a spiritual gift. It can be the symbol of healing, of transferring God's strength and power, and a, a symbol of God doing the healing. Apparently, Timothy was a timid guy. And that's why he says what he says in verse 7. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear. And what he's talking about there is a timidity, a, a, a not, not a cowardice, but a, a slowness to step out and take the leadership when you should do it. This kind of fear is not from the Lord. Reverence is the proper attitude toward God, but not fear of people or circumstances. And that's what he was talking about. We haven't been given this, this fear from the Lord, but rather we've been given power and love and self-control. You know, apparently Timothy was prone to tears, according to verse 4. You notice what it said in verse 4? As I remember your tears. And man, I can relate to that, you know. I'm a person that's prone to tears and highly emotional. I, I get that. And this whole idea of, of timidity, you know, sometimes we just want to pull back. Lord, I don't, I don't want to have another confrontation. I don't want to risk that one. But he's saying, you need to rely on the power that I give you, the supernatural strength to do God's will, the love that I've given you, the sacrificial love that comes from God, and where he talks about self-control. I like the New King James translation of, of sound mind. Another translation says sound judgment. It's about the fact that we are called by faith to think clearly and to think God's thoughts. And the only way we're going to know God's thoughts is if we're in the Word of God. And so fill your minds with Scripture so that the Holy Spirit can impress you with it. Ask the Lord today to help you to exercise your faith to control your emotions. You can imagine I pray that a lot. I mean, every Sunday up here, and I'm trying to hold it together. So what have we been saying? Today's been tribute to mother and grandma. Today's a good day. Today's a day to be thankful for what we've been given. We all have a mother. We've had a mother. And we need to uh, give thanks for life itself. And also take a moment to give tribute to our mothers, our grandmothers, if possible. And to build up others. And if the, the very least thing that you get, the, the common denominator from this message is the importance of the family must be taught. Just don't assume it. You know, the family's under attack in our culture. And we as Christians have got to pull together and teach how important the family is. Here's some take-home lessons. Number one, grandparents seek to influence your grandchildren toward faith in the Lord Jesus. It is your sacred duty. And it's a joy and a privilege. So grandparents, don't miss that. Parents, no one can influence your children as well as you. No one can. And, and it doesn't mean you shouldn't allow others to do it. You do need other teachers and helpers. And, and we do need the church as a whole to love all the kids here. But obviously parents, 
you have that responsibility. Lovingly lead them to Christ by setting the example and speaking the truth in love. And then I want to say something thirdly to everyone. The family is God's most basic and precious institution. Cultivate love in your family. Even if you have a difficult family. You know, and sometimes we do. There's families that are broken. I get that. But cultivate love. You can do that no matter what the situation. Be known for exuding the love of Christ. And fourthly, let us share our faith with someone today. We can do that, right? You're going to have the opportunity. You're going to be surprised. You're going to cross paths with somebody before the day's over. And if not today, tomorrow, be ready. And finally, mothers, I hope you genuinely have a happy Mother's Day. Let's pray.